The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Tensions escalate between UK and Russia. Society lacks real heroes and leaders. What are you willing to die for? And addressing a bullying story from California. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the show exclusive to the Blaze, where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. I hope you're having a wonderful and, and blessed weekend. I hope you enjoyed the the dog and pony show that was going on in your country this week. You know, this week. This week has been more one of the more frustrating weeks for me, and I want to talk to you about some things in this show that are really important, but also in a very different direction. I want to have a, a heart-to-heart with you today. You know, all I heard this week following your media, following your attention, following social media, was the following stories. Aretha Franklin's funeral, John McCain's funeral, Brett Kavanaugh and Nike and Colin Kaepernick, the Owen Bob Woodward, has released a book. I'm going to talk to you about those five stories throughout this show, and I'm going to tell you why they matter and why they don't matter. But I actually want to talk to you to start off the show about something that is very, very serious, and it's something that no one in the media is paying attention to. And it affects pretty much everyone in the world. If you follow international politics, and you can get over the whole Donald Trump uh, syndrome, whether you love Trump or hate Trump, just take your Donald Trump out of this. He has absolutely nothing to do with this. Any of his past comments have absolutely nothing to do with this. There is a really, really troubling situation brewing in Europe. And that situation involves Great Britain and Russia. I know people have changed or evolved or have softened their stance on this issue, some of my friends on the right. But Vladimir Putin, Alexander Dugan, the KGB... And all the Russian operatives are generally not good actors. Putin is not a good actor. Dugan is not a good actor. Russia is the evil empire. Nothing has changed since Ronald Reagan was president. The only thing that has changed is how covert they are. How they have led some people to believe that they're your friend. America should have learned this lesson in World War II. When Russia was your quote-unquote ally, it wasn't an ally. 
There is very little in common between the Russian government, and I need to specify this, the Russian government and the American people and the American government. There is very little in common with the Russian government and what happens in Europe. There is very little common ground. Because for all its warts and for all its flaws of democracy, there is at least some attempt to talk about human decency in Europe. I don't agree with what 99% of what Europe stands. I'm not defending them. But there is a big difference. Europe is a soft tyranny. Russia and the Soviet Union under Putin is not a soft tyranny. It is a hard tyranny. He is a despot of the highest order. And only wants one thing. As much power and as much control as he can get his hands on. Now why am I starting today's show to talk to you about Russia? Because this week, Britain escalated its situation with Russia. And has increased the odds, and rightfully so I believe. But the world is not paying attention. And when the world is more interested in who Colin Kaepernick signs with or who Nike sides with, it's a troubling time. Ignorance and apathy are our enemy today. And maybe it's not ignorance. Maybe it's we're just, if I may quote my boss, addicted to outrage. And we don't want to actually talk about real stories. So what's going on in the UK? What's going on with Russia? Well, I'm sure you may have heard of a thing called the Salisbury attacks that happened early this year. A lady called Don Sturgis died. And her boyfriend, Charlie Rowley, got really, really sick. And what happened was, there was a Russian, ex-Russian spy living in the United Kingdom. And if you believe all the evidence that's pointing to it, and the stuff I've seen so far suggests this has some credence. Obviously, I'm not condemning or saying anything. I'm just saying the evidence that I have seen leads me to suggest this is credible. So they went to attack and assassinate this former Russian spy. And they got very sick. And they went to hospital. But they did. They lived. But the evidence that has been presented this week has been suggested that the reason that they only got sick was how they did this, how they performed this nerve agent attack, was they used a bottle of perfume. And I believe... The evidence is suggesting what they did was they sprayed the handle of their door, of the the, the ex-spy's door. And that's how they contracted the nerve agent and got really, really sick. Well, during the attack and post the attack, you know, they, the Russian agents who were sent to assassinate him then discarded of the, the bottle of perfume. And it's believed that this lady, Dawn and Charlie, found it. And the lady who died, Dawn, it said, got exposed to ten times the amount of nerve agent that the 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 former Soviet Union spy's daughter got in contact with. That's why she lived and, and sadly Dawn died. This has been going on and brewing for weeks and months. What happened this week 
was the police have been investigating and gathering evidence, and they this week charged two Russian people, Alexander Petrov and Ruslan Bozharov. They are the suspected people, the two Russian men who are suspected of, of killing these lady and then the attempted assassination of the former Soviet Union spy. Cops have issued a European arrest warrant, and it's also gone through Interpol. This is incredibly serious. Now, Russia and the Kremlin are denying this attack. And in fact, Russian TV, RT, you know, has been mocking England all week with this. There's been reports of, you know, just all talking about how this is this one big great conspiracy. But if you actually look at some of the evidence the police have presented, they have CCTV um, evidence of them landing. Um, one of them actually came a year before. They have evidence of where they were, where they stayed. They present a, a compelling case that I'm not saying they're guilty. I want to be very crystal clear about this. But the evidence that you've seen is compelling. And when you also take into the fact of, of what the Soviet Union does, this you know, there's a lot of credible and credence to this. It's it's easy to believe, shall we say. Now obviously I'm not saying they should be guilty, but I believe they, they have an arrest warrant and they sh- they need to be questioned. What's gonna happen with this? Well in September early September British officials are going to go face their Russian counterparts in the United Nations, in the Security Council. And they're going to say, look, there's, we're going to present enough evidence to say, we're going to charge these men. Now, because Russia is a permanent member of the Security Council, you know, it's going to get interesting to see how it sides with. This is going to be really, really interesting. This has a real Cold War feel about it, and no one's talking about it. Where will America stand on this issue? Where will France stand on this issue? Where will Germany stand on this issue? Because there are lots of other aspects, especially with France and Germany. Because what's going on right now on a side point, which shouldn't have anything to do with this, Because this is a serious, serious allegation. But in an ideal world, in a utopia, quote-unquote, you would deal with this issue by itself, and nothing else would factor into the decision. But what's interesting to see how France and how Germany deal with this is the Brexit negotiations are going, and they're not going well. The politicians, who could have seen this one coming? Politicians are screwing this up on all sides. There's a hard Brexit, there's a soft Brexit, it's going to go to checkers, it's not going to checkers. We need a fair trade deal, we need a, you know, all these different angles. It's not smooth. There is so many political angles in Brexit and in the European Union right now, it's incredible. Because everyone wants to win. Britain wants a deal that they believe that their people said during that referendum, they want a deal. To get out of Britain or to get out of Europe, but they still want it, you know, the trade and the business alliances. Europe, for obvious reasons, when anytime you have a, a collection of people together, 
and one says, eh, you know what, I don't want to be part of your collection anymore, you don't want to make it easy for them. Because if everyone feels, if, if Britain gets an easy deal, other people might go, well, why am I doing this? Why am I paying all my taxes? Why are we paying over so much money to Euro, to the European Union? You know what, maybe we'll leave too. So they have to send the message. In an ideal world, none of this would factor into this Russia investigation, but politics is politics, and we can no longer deal with single objects. We have to pile as much horse manure and crap into issues as we can and have all these different agendas. What's also really troubling about this is, and this, again, does not get anywhere near the reporting it deserves, is what Russia is doing over a period of time in the United Kingdom is it's sending its naval fleets and submarines into the English Channel. There have been many articles, and they're not, it's not, this is not a daily occurrence, don't get me wrong. It's not stepped up to that level yet, or it's not even a weekly occurrence. But every three, four, five, six weeks, you'll read an article about how, you know, a Russian submarine or a Russian Navy ship just happened to be in the English coast, and the Royal British Navy was, you know, dispatched. And they saw them back onto their own territory and they just went along their happy ways. This has implications for everyone. If you believe that, you know, well, this is John. This is just England and Russia's problem. Let them deal with it. That, that, that's, that's just all on them. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. Because what Russia is doing right now is Russia is playing a game of chess. And what Russia is doing, and if you want to just take a step back and have no horse in the race, and you're just you just want to be an analyst, shall we say? You you're you're not you're not to have any agenda. The truth is, Vladimir Putin is playing one hell of a game of chess right now. Vladimir Putin is kicking everyone's butt right now. Look at what he's doing in the United States. You cannot have an honest conversation in America about Vladimir Putin. The truth is, Vladimir Putin and Russian agents interfered in the election last year in some way, shape, or form. This has been proven. They set up pages. They set up pages on all sides. This is not a, hey, Donald Trump, you know, Vladimir Putin wanted Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin, you know, handpicked Donald Trump as, as the person who he could most deal with. No, he just wanted to affect. Vladimir Putin is, is a very, very smart chess player. Again, I'm not saying this is a compliment or I'm not saying Vladimir Putin is right. I want to be very crystal clear about this. I'm just saying as an analyst, if you want to step back and take all the emotion from it, he's got everyone against each other. You can't mention Russia in America without talking about Donald Trump. He's sitting back loving the chaos. Everyone in America should agree Putin's a bad guy. Can we just admit that? I can't get to admit, I can't get people to admit that in Stowe Colfax among my friends. It's amazing how I grew up. The one consistent on foreign policy was Russia is a big enemy. 
you know, I had Democratic friends who mocked Mitt Romney in 2012. You know, 1980s are calling. They want their foreign policy back. (laughs) Yeah. My friends on the right now are like, "Eh, I know he's not a great guy, but is he as bad as you say? I don't think he's as bad as you. John, I think you're a bit of an extremist on Vladimir Putin. Really? This is what you have. Look at what he's done in Europe. He's setting up a very long game for strategy. It's getting to the time of year again where it's getting to winter. And once again, I have the same fear that I've had for the last couple of years. That something is going to happen. And Europe will all of a sudden get some, you know, intestinal fortitude. Will step up to Russia and Russia will go, okay, we'll talk in a couple of days and turn off the gas. And Europe will fold. Because that's what Europe always does. Europe has a gold star in bending over backwards and not having a spine among them. I don't know what's going to happen going forward, but Russia is a big enemy. And until this world gets its act together and removes all the political horsecrap, we can disagree on Donald Trump. You can vote for him, you cannot vote for him. You can think he's a great president, you can think he's Satan. We can be European. You can love Macron. You can hate Macron. Russia is a bad, bad actor. Russia has violated international law so many times now, it's laughable. Russia invaded a country in Europe. Annexed a country in Europe. When do you hear about that in the news? Putin is sitting back playing, again, I'm not saying this is great, I'm just saying this is a pure analytical point of view. Putin is sitting back on, I have all the patience in the world. It may take me 10 years, but I'm going to conquer Europe. I'm going to be whatever term he wants to be called, but the king of Europe. Because no one is there to stand up to him. Where are the world's great leaders to stand up to despots? Where are the world's great leaders, if I may say, quote, one of the world's past great leaders, Mr. President, tear down this wall. Where is that great leader today? Where is that great leader? Pope Francis? Pope Francis, the guy who is embroiled in scandal and all he can say is we just need to be silent. Frank Macron, the the political novice who hasn't got a clue what he's doing. Merkel, the Mer- Angela Merkel, who's facing major crisis within her own party, where a lot of her own party are like, I don't think, I don't, I don't, I'm not comfortable with you being leader. I, I don't think you're doing a good enough job. Theresa May, who seems to be flip-flopping and changing her tone on Brexit on on a nearly minute-by-minute basis. Okay, well, John, there's elections happening. Elections are going to come in. Who's the great leader in France? Marie Le Pen? Please. Who's the great leader? Sarkozy? Can you even name the opposition leader in Germany? Without Googling it? That's all you need to say. Oh, England. Oh, yeah, England. Yeah, yeah, England. Yeah. Jeremy Corbyn, the guy who can't clean up his own party and who seems to be on a minute-by-minute basis becoming more and more of an anti-Semite, who's like, well, we need to deal with Russia. 
Even this week, when the 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 own their own police departments coming and saying we're charging these Russian people, he cannot come out and say we need to stand up to Russia. Jeremy Corbyn, the guy who goes to terrorist graves and lays wreaths, the guy who claims Hamas is freedom fighters. There's your opposition leaders. Who's going to stand up to Putin? What other great countries are going to stand up for Putin? If America isn't careful and America doesn't get to a point in time when it understands the political consequences. Because if you can go to America today, I included those leaders in case you're wondering, well, John, you started with the Pope and then you went to Theresa May and you went to, why didn't you include Donald Trump? Donald Trump, do you really trust that it wouldn't be maligned that he would stand up to Russia? Can you, can you, even if Donald Trump did stand up to Russia... How do you think the American people would react to that? It would be outrage. It would be it would be destroyed. You know the whole well. There's Donald Trump been a warmonger again. There's those evil Republicans. They 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 want to deflect from what's happening at home and they want to go start another war. We need to get together. These are not left right positions. These are not liberal conservative positions. These are not even Republican-Democrat positions. We need to start talking truth and understanding the world we live in. Because if we don't... Look, I keep saying this to you. I am so positive about the future. I was reading a story this week where there are people having conversations about incredible things that are mind-boggling to me. I won't get into this today, but there's, I read an article this week where they're now actually talking about having so much technology that they're going to be able to create this field that they'll be able to bring as, you know asteroids that are going like 20 million miles away from the Earth and they, as they pass it, they'll be able to bring it into this field and then mine it for gold and precious metals and then bring it back to the Earth. That, there are some of the conversations we're having right now in some tech parts of technology. That is incredible. That's how much our world has advanced. These are incredibly exciting times. There is no limit in life. I've always said it, but as more and more we're getting there, you're starting to see, hey, we, you know all those asteroids that are going by? It used to be before that asteroid could hit the world and the world is over. And that may still happen. But now we're talking about, hey, you know, as those asteroids go by, we could mine them, bring back the precious metals, like lithium and copper and gold. That's what we're having. But if we don't start talking truth once again, if we don't start calling a spade a spade, if I may quote the great CNN, if we don't start having conversations of, hey, this is an apple, this is a banana, and no matter how many times you tell me it's an, it's, and that apple is a banana, it will always be an apple. If I may use the CNN language. Things don't change. Truth is consistent. I would love to live in a world one day where Russia is not a geopolitical foe. I would love to see the Russian people freed. But we must live in the reality where we have to understand that that ain't going to happen as long as people like Vladimir Putin are in power. When we come back, I actually want to talk to you about some of the hot topic issues that were discussed in America this week. Because it was really infuriating. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. 
the Blaze Radio Network. The Glenn Beck Program. I am a libertarian. I was never against gay marriage. What I am against is forcing a church or a group of people to live within the standards someone else sets. So, if you want to get married, go get married. No skin off of my nose. But do not come to my church and tell me what I must believe or do. My faith is sacred to me. The Glenn Beck Program. Freedom's Disciple On Demand On the Blaze Radio Network Thank you so much for sticking with me, America As always, this show is on every major platform SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, OmniFM, FM, Stitcher, CastBox We release a new show every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern we're continuing to grow, and for that, I'm so forever thankful. And last week's show got a great reaction. Ben Shapiro was on, and there was a lot of hate. Um, people, you know, Ben Shapiro draws a, quite a bit of fire, and I draw a small bit of fire. And but there was a lot of a lot of good things, and I think you enjoyed the interview. I think it was based around principles, and it's something that I think he enjoyed, and I I know some of you enjoyed it as well. I want to talk to you about some things that are really important. You know, depending on when you're listening to this, if it's at the weekend or if you're listening during the week, this is the time of year where I I tend to do an awful lot of thinking. You know, one of my biggest strengths is also one of my biggest weaknesses. I tend to analyze everything and I tend to think things through. I think that comes across the the show I present here every week. I spend a lot of time thinking about this show, about what I want to do, how I can help, how I can make it better, and you know, trying to learn different things and see different points of view, and how can I present things to you? You know, you don't have to agree with me, but you know, I think it comes across. I think an awful lot. I sometimes think too much, but as we enter this period of time. I always think an awful lot because there are certain big things happening every year in my life around this time. You know, it starts with September 11th. I remember that day like it was yesterday. It then goes on to October 31st, which is my dad's anniversary. My dad died the same year September 11th happened. Then as we head into Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year, my three favorite holidays probably, three ideas that I, I love that trilogy. It wasn't always that way, but I as I've got older and you think more about the meanings of them, I really do a lot of thinking and a lot of soul searching around this time. You know, it's hard to believe... Now, it's been 17 years since September 11th happened. It feels like, yeah, I don't know if you feel this, but it, it, I, it feels like yesterday. I still can remember the emotions I felt that day. 
and still tell you where I was and still tell you some of the emotions I felt afterwards. And it seems that with each passing year, things change. And sometimes in many ways, not for the better. You know, September 11th was easily one of the worst days in American history. It was a day that the unthinkable happened. It was a day that it was a day that changed the world. And it changed the world for everyone, but it changed the world for Americans the most. It brought a great country to its knees. You know, nearly 3,000 people died. But as I think back of that day, and I always, people, I always feel uncomfortable saying this because I know some people always take this out of context. But as bad as a day September 11th was, because you cannot think about September 11th without thinking about the loss of life, the pure evil that was witnessed that day, how much America changed, how much the world changed. But anytime I think of that day, I also think of all the heroes that emerged that day. I always think of how much your country came together. How September 12th was one amazing day. And how the world saw in that momentary glimpse of time the America I know existed. The America I know exists to this day. America at its best. Where you have all the stuff, the garbage that we talk about on a daily basis, just all goes to the side. All the outrage goes to the side. All the hatred goes to the side. And everything that divides you on a minute-by-minute basis is just irrelevant. And you have one thing that unites you. And that is that you're an American. The images I saw on September 12th. Even your politicians got it right. Where they sang God Bless America on the Capitol Hill steps. Your people consoling each other in the park. Lighting candles, just hugging each other. There was no Republicans and no Democrats. and There was no black or white. There was no rich or poor. There was just Americans. Each time since as you've gone through different tragedies. 
last year, the really horrific hurricanes in Texas, you know, Hurricane Katrina, you can focus in on the bad, there's bad and evil everywhere, but there's also a greatness that sadly only comes out when you're pushed against the wall. One of the problems we have in society right now, and I don't want to talk about Colin Kaepernick. You know, if you know anything about me, you know anyone who thinks it's cool to wear a pair of socks with pigs with police uh, hats on, you know what I'm going to say to that person, right? Me, we're not, we're not, we're, we don't share any common values. I don't want to talk about Colin Kaepernick. I don't even want to talk about Nike. Nike's a private company. I know people, anytime I talk about private companies, when I spoke about free speech earlier in the year, you all went crazy, or some of you went crazy, because, you know, I, I defended Facebook and Twitter, and you're like, how can you do that? Look, companies can do what they want to do. Companies, when you own a company, you have the right to make the stupidest, dumbest decision of all time. I'm not going to stop you, and I don't have a right to stop you, and no one else should stop you either. People can decide to boycott. I'm not going to talk about some of the silliness I saw this week, people burning their Nike runners. I'm not joining you with doing that either. But I do want to talk to you about something bigger that relates to this. We're at a point in time where we really don't have or recognize heroes or leaders in society. We need to address this. We need to seriously address this. And when I say leaders, everyone automatically go, what about Donald Trump? What about... Oh, uh, Cortez. What what about Mitch McConnell? What about Paul Ryan? What about Nancy? On both sides of the aisle, we'll always look at politics. Politics has way too much to say in our life. We need leaders. You know, politicians can play a role. Political leaders can be amazing. You know, Ronald Reagan was a really good, strong leader. During the Cold War. I've told many Ronald Reagan stories over the years. He was a great leader. I didn't agree with everything he did. But he was fantastic at what he did. He was fantastic at controlling a narrative. And highlighting American exceptionalism. That hadn't been done in a very, very long time. You know, Margaret Thatcher, likewise, was a political leader. But she was also a leader when it came to thought. But leaders can be in many ways, shapes, or forms. It doesn't always, when we talk leaders, we shouldn't automatically go, well, who's the president or who's the prime minister of a country? We should be going, who's the leaders? Who are the people 
who are consistently trying to change the world for a better place? Who are the leaders in markets that we can actually have a conversation of what you have changed the world? Let me give you an example. I guarantee you, if I ever sat down with Elon Musk and actually spoke about politics, I don't think, I don't, I, maybe I could be wrong on this. I don't think we'd agree on much. I don't think we would agree on a lot of different things, especially when it got political. Maybe we would, maybe I, I don't know, maybe I might be shocked. Maybe I'm doing Elon Musk a great disservice here. But Elon Musk is an incredibly intelligent person. He is a leader in his field. If Elon Musk is successful at some of the stuff he is saying, like, you know, these batteries, my God, it will change the world. And for the better. Our politics don't matter, it should be about their ideas. But where are the other leaders? Where are the leaders that can appeal to both sides of the aisle? Where are the leaders that can appeal to mainstream America? Where are the leaders who can articulate a view of America, not from a political point of view, but from a historical and factual point of view? Where is the Martin Luther King? Where's the Gandhis? Where's the Bonhoeffers? Where are the great Christian leaders? Where where is the next Billy Graham? And if they are among us, how do we deal with those people? Look at your society today, and this is not an American problem. It's, this is not bashing America. This is a worldwide problem. If those leaders did exist among us, do you think they would become successful in the current environment? Is the current environment someone who supports people and, and encourages people? Or is the current environment an environment that wants to tear you down? That wants to label you, regardless of your opinions, which whatever they think you are. Oh, if you're right, you're a, you hate women, you're a Nazi, you're a white supremacist. If you're more left, oh, you're a Bernie Sanders socialist. Where are the leaders? Do we even think this is a problem in society right now? Where are the leaders who are going to have and bring America to the 22nd century, to the 23rd century? Bring the world to a more peaceful tomorrow? Because the world is going through major crisis right now. And as much as I hate to say this, if America isn't strong, and if America isn't that statue of liberty, holding that torch of liberty high for all, I don't see anyone else emerging who can do it. I would love to be able to tell you about this grandiose other country. That if America falters, they will step up. Or they will step up alongside you. But they don't exist. You know, one of the questions I get some of the time is, why do I keep doing what I do? 
Why do I keep doing what I do? I'm I'm not looking for pay. I don't get pay. Why do I commit so much time to read and research and research stuff that honestly pisses me off a lot of the time? You think I want to read about Nike and Colin Kaepernick? No. But I have to, so quote unquote, it's my duty and responsibility to, to know what's going on so I can talk to you about it and try and think of how can I bring this to a more principled point of view. Because I don't want to talk about Nike and Colin Kaepernick. I want to talk to you about what's really happening in society. The lack of leaders. But also, likewise, on the Colin Kaepernick thing. The Nike ad. What did Colin Kaepernick sacrifice? Look, Muhammad Ali actually sacrificed. I disagree with his opinion. I disagree with the the nation of Islam. But Muhammad Ali actually went to jail. He actually made a sacrifice. And he was actually good at what he did. I am sick to death. And I love sports. I don't get much time to watch it. But I love sports. I love the New York Yankees. I love... The New York Giants. I love the Rangers. New York Rangers. I know everyone's going, I hate New York, John. Stop talking. I'm not going to talk about the Yankees. But I love sports. But this idea that sports stars are some type are heroic is really troubling to me. I have yet to see one thing a sports star has done on a field that I would say, wow, that was heroic. Oh my God, bottom of the ninth, two outs, down two, bases loaded. He had a grand slam and walked off and won the World Series. That was so... Her- no, it wasn't heroic. It was great. It was awesome. If you were the, if he, that was your team, it was really, really crappy. If, you know, you were the, the team that was pitching, it was, it was really good or really bad. But heroic? No. No. At a time where we have no heroes... We have so many. And so many of the heroes, you know one of the the problems with the, the lack of heroes in society is the people who are actually heroes are usually all share one characteristic. They're the first person to tell you, I'm not a hero. And that actually makes them an even bigger hero. We have heroes who have lived among us. Chris Kyle was a hero. Pat Tillman was a hero. Every person who has fought for the military is a hero. The police are heroes. There are some people who are involved in Catholic churches, Protestant churches, other non-denomination churches, who do amazing work, who will never get recognized with poor people, with disadvantaged people, with disabled people. They're heroes. At a time where we make sports stars and Hollywood as much as is as included in this, oh my God, what a great actor. He, he was great in this. We're living in a society where we don't have here where we have so many heroes, 
but we make our sports stars, our reality TV stars, who gets famous for being on a TV show, or gets famous because you once slept with a person who would one day become president, potentially. Or you were a porn star. That's who becomes famous in your society? Which leads me to one last point about this. I haven't seen this yet, and I, I, I hopefully will get a time to watch it, but it won't be anytime soon because I don't have free time. But Tom Clancy, the author, I've seen some of his, his works. They're always compelling, they're always interesting. But there's this new series out on Amazon, Jack Ryan. And it's the guy from The Office. And Vanity Fair, I believe, I've read so many articles this week, I think it was Vanity Fair, said this is a troubling type of patriotism. We need to start highlighting and showing people what it really is like to be a hero. And showing them by example. If we could create content on Amazon, on Netflix, on TV, highlighting heroes, it doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what creed you are, where you come from, what your sexuality is. If you're willing to sacrifice for the betterment of society, in some way you're a hero. You may never get recognized for it, but in some way you're a hero. There are people out there who do incredible things that need to be saluted. Need to be saluted because they do stuff we wouldn't do. We need to address our lack of leaders in this world. And we need to understand that what made America's founding fathers incredible was they pled to each other their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. We need to bring honor back. We need to make honor cool once again in our daily lives. We need to live lives. Everyone is great at talking about what life you should lead. We need to start living all those lives and not talking about it. Or if we do talk about it, live it twice as more. Or three times as more. So we actually say, hey, I talk about this, but I also live it. And here's the proof. We really need to get to a point in time where we actually highlight heroes. And not to put them on a pedestal. Because that's the other thing people think when they see heroes. Oh, you want to you put a hero on a pedestal and, and, and worship their feet? No. The reason I want to have heroes in society today is because I want inspiration. I want other people to be inspired. I want other people to look at some of the military people I know who come from humble backgrounds, who come from, if I may use the language of the day, blue-collar backgrounds, you know, working-class America. They come from, you know, they don't come from your, your Harvards and your Yales. They come from middle America. Just good, honest, decent people. Doing ordinary people doing extraordinary things. 
I want that to not to be worshipped, but to show other people to go, hey, I could be like them. I could be like him. I could be like her. I could do extraordinary things too. And then someone sees my example, and then they go and do something extraordinary. That is what we need in our society today. Less outrage, less highlighting the sacrifice of Colin Kaepernick, who sacrificed squat, and actually highlighting real sacrifice. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. On demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I'm, I'm pretty active on social media. I'm on Twitter at Freedom Disciple, tw- um, Facebook at Jonathan Dunn fifty eight. Before we continue, I just want to give a big shout out and thank you to all of you who have ordered hoodies and T-shirts from the site from freedomsdisciple.com/store. In case you're not aware, we've started a new fund project where we raise money through the free market by offering a hoodie, t-shirt, or coffee mug with a very simple, yet I believe powerful message, America making the impossible possible since 1776. We do this because I think it's a great product. I, I think it would make a, a great gift for you know a college student or you know son or daughter or even you going to work. They're great quality hoodies, good quality t-shirts. Um, but also we're doing it to, to share a positive message, but also to raise money for the Nazarene Fund, which is to help Christians and minorities in the Middle East. And 90%, about 90% of the funds go to Mercury One. This is not about making money or making profit for me personally. This is about helping and giving back. The percentage that doesn't go to them will cover admin costs because there's a a PayPal fee for every time we get you pay through PayPal. There's a fee we got to pay and different other things like that. But the vast, vast majority of the money is going to Mercury One. So some of the orders have actually been dispatched. Some people have sent me a message on Twitter. Hey, I got my hoodie today. Looks great. And actually sending me pictures. So please consider checking it out. Share it with a family and a friend. It makes a great gift, a birthday gift. You got a kid, son or daughter going to school or college, consider giving it to them and have them going around college. I would love to see that. But if you if you have orders and you haven't got it yet, it's in process. It takes several days to, you know, actually make the t-shirt and then ship it to you and get it to you, but they're pretty the the agreement we have is pretty quick and a lot of people are getting their products out already so it's so cool to see people tweeting me and facebook message me with the the pictures and the how happy with their feedback they are i want to ask you a question and it's kind of linked to what we were talking about in the last segment about 9-11 and how much we've changed and our society today what hill are you willing to die on You know, if you look around the the world, there are major issues that there are hills I'm willing to fight and die on. That I'm I'm just going to do everything I can to stop because I I believe in it so much. 
you know, I, I believe abortion is wrong. I believe raping children is wrong. I believe bullying is wrong. I believe, you know, controlling and demeaning people is wrong. How many times do we see people act not in about big issues, but they're only focused on small issues? And this is like their Waterloo moment. This is their moment to, you know, I'm going to I'm going to die for this. Look around at the issues today. Are you willing to die for, you know, to be outraged at Colin Kaepernick or Nike? You know, I saw so many tweets on social media this week as if the world was burning down just because of this. This is on both sides, by the way. And I'm like, do I think it's a smart move? No. Do I agree with it? No. But, okay, move on. I have too much stuff going on in my life to get outraged about Colin Kaepernick. I get upset from a... Like we spoke about in the last segment, the lack of heroes and leaders in our society today. And the highlighting of real heroes. But Colin Kaepernick, eh. He's he's a blip on the radar. I look at the proceedings what happened this week. In the Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh. You know, I wrote an article... About a month and a, six weeks ago, when he was first nom- before he was nominated, I came out the week he was actually nominated by Trump, and I was like, "These are the things a Supreme Court nominee should say." Not much of that was said. You know, if you actually want to discuss the nominee for just one second, I I got to read some of the transcripts and watch some of the videos. I I not happy. I don't. If I was in the Senate and I heard what I heard, I wouldn't have voted for him. And there's one big reason I would not vote for Brett Kavanaugh. And I know people will defend this as, well, that's just the way every Supreme Court justice has to talk. But I didn't hear much talk about the Constitution yesterday. I heard a lot of talk about it's the precedent. If you talk about the precedent when it comes to Roe versus Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood, I'm sorry, I don't give two craps about precedent. This idea that precedent is somehow important is mind-boggling to me. Precedent is case law. It's what other judges say. So if other judges make a bad, bad decision, which judges have been known to do on time at quite a lot of occasions, the idea that, well, it's the precedent that the judges made a bad decision... And a bad ruling. But that's the precedent. So I'm going to side with that. Because it's the precedent. Is unbelievably troubling to me. So Korematsu was the precedent. No. It's wrong. Plessy versus Ferguson. Well, the pre- no, it's wrong. Dred Scott is the... No, it's wrong. This idea that we you are nominating people to a Supreme Court where you care more about the precedent and you can use the precedent as a reason and as an excuse, as a spin-talking point to defend it. No, it's the Constitution. That is what I will... That's what my oath is. My oath isn't to preserve, defend, and protect the precedent that has been set in lower courts. No, my duty as a Supreme Court justice and my oath 
is to preserve, defend, and protect the Constitution of the United States. But watching what was going on and listening to it and seeing some of the transcripts and seeing some of the audios, I saw one incredible stat. The first 40 minutes he was interrupted, this proceedings were interrupted 44 times. But when it comes to Brett Kavanaugh, is it something I'm going to go on? Am I going to die in a hill to make sure he's not nominated? No. I, I disagree. But I also have this understanding that while I actually love your constitution and do my best to promote it, right now, it's just not cool. That's just a fact of life. I would love to have in some way a magic wand where Americans actually really cared about the Constitution and actually lived the Constitution. But that's just not the time you live in right now. I do believe that time is coming back and it's coming back quicker than a lot of people will anticipate because I think the world is going through so much chaos, including in America, that at some point in time, everything is going to go we're nothing is solid anymore and people will then leaders will step up and say okay yes nothing is solid here's what we say is solid a b c and d and it won't be a hundred percent it won't even be 90 percent. but the vast majority of americans will go okay and that is where you will have the next great enlightening period of time and that is coming a lot quicker I I'm I haven't got a, pre- a crystal ball here where I can say, well, it's going to be you know January twentieth, twenty twenty. No, I don't know, but I do believe that time is coming. But am I willing to die in a hill to make sure Brett Kavanaugh? No, he'll he'll be nominated. He'll be on the Supreme Court, and I hope, give wish him all the best, that he he runs into the Constitution someday. He is not an originalist. I did not hear anything that said, yeah, there's an original. No, I didn't hear that. I'm sorry. I know some people are trying to make him into an originalist. I don't see it. I don't see the understanding of Article 3 power. I really don't. I could be wrong, but track record and history says that if he's going to become anything, he's going to become another Kennedy, which is, if you know, if you want to buy into the optics, would be kind of apt because that's who he replaced. But again... Is it about what who we replaced or the precedent or is it about right versus wrong? But the moral outrages of the day. If you look at what the left have been saying, and I'm not saying liberal, the left. You know, America and you all everyone listening, and every American must be a cat. Because you must have nine lives. Or in this case, you know, if you listen to the left's logic, 90 lives. Because everything was going to kill you. People were going to die from Donald Trump's tax cuts. You didn't. People were going to die because of net neutrality. You didn't. People were going to die because Donald Trump became president. And, you know, he was going to be this wad whack, wad whack man. And he was going to have the nuclear codes. And you'd have the big red button. And he'd just go, boom. I'd get bored one day. I'm Donald Trump. I'd press this button. Boom. And the world will go up. He's in office two years and it hasn't happened. Now you're, you nominate Brett Kavanaugh. Everyone's going to die. What are, are you all cats or something? That you have nine lives? 20 lives? 30 lives? 
The outrages of the day are unbelievable. But as I go and do my soul searching that I've been doing recently, I look at so many of the issues that you're talking about, and I'm like, I'm not willing to die for that. I'm not willing to, I'm not, that's not my hill. That is, there are things I will go die and make the ultimate sacrifice for. I will sacrifice for the Declaration of Independence. I really will. Because I truly believe in its meaning. I believe in that revolutionary idea of America. I will die on the hill for people to be left alone. For them to decide what they want to do with their life. Even if that means they're going to screw it up. It's their life. They have that fundamental God-given inalienable right to screw up their own lives. I hope they don't. I hope people make the right decision, but they have that right. I want to live in a world where we are not coerced or controlled into acting a certain way. But I'm not willing to die over Colin Kaepernick or Brett Kavanaugh or funerals or be outraged or whatever else or Bob Woodward's book. That's the other big thing. Everyone's going crazy about Bob Woodward. There are so many things we can talk about in this world today that are really incredibly good at how much we've advanced. And there's stuff we can talk about that are really troubling. But we talk about neither. We talk about nothing. We have this outrage that lasts 24, 72, 96 hours. Then it's gone. We move on to the next one. Remember when there was all the outrage a couple of weeks ago? It's actually probably a month ago now. Over the border. All the media. This is, oh my God, Trump has to be impeached. Have you heard? Have you seen a media report on the border since? Really, have you? If you have, let me know. I'd love to actually know. I haven't seen anything. We're just all outraged. We'll have, we'll give our, you know, our, it'll have its like 15 minutes of fame. We'll have all these outrages. And then we'll move on to the next issue. But as much as I'd ask you to think about what hill you're willing to die in, what issues you're really willing to die on, and is that your focus? And I'll ask you a deeper question. I'll never forget I got told, and I'm sure many people have been told this, you know, when you say, I, you know, I die for you. You know, there are people close to you, you know, that you love. You know, maybe your parents, or if you've got a partner in your life, or, you know, your kids. I'd die for you. I'd literally die for you. I remember, you know, just as a thinking type of thinking, that's such an easy answer. I'd die for you. It's it's actually one of the easiest things to do for someone, in some ways. It's obviously a major sacrifice. But the idea behind that thinking is that, well, if you made that ultimate sacrifice, and I'm not dismeaning people who have done that, but it's the easy answer because... You make that one second, split second sacrifice to die for that person. But you leave so much behind. That the truth 
actually is not I would die for you. I would live for you to make that happen. That I will hold your hand each second of every minute of every day and walk that journey with you. And deal with all the pain, the crisis, the crap, the horse manure, the abuse, the hatred. That I will walk with you and never ever leave you. What issues are really important in the world today? Look around and ask yourself. And I'm not I'm not going to even influence your decision. I'm not going to say, pay, pick mine. Pick yours. What are you really passionate about? And ask yourself, are we talking about that? Because there's so many things that we can be passionate about. That's the great thing about individualism. The great thing about people being individualistic is that we're all different. We're all unique. We all have our own passions. You know, your passion might be curing cancer. There might be a couple of people out there who have never been affected by cancer. Not very many, but there might be a few. They're going, I get why you want to solve cancer, but it's just not my passion because for whatever reason, I haven't had to deal with it in my family. Others might be blindness or deafness or some health issue. Others might be to, you know, to to solve literacy. Other people might be the, the, the drug problem we have in our society right now. What issues are really important to you? And are you spending time focused on them? I look around that from a Christian, again, I'm a Christian, I'm not trying to convert anyone, but I look around at the Christian world going, what are you really passionate about? What are you really passionate about? What difference are you making in people's lives? What are you willing to die for? What are you willing to live for? And are you focused in on those issues? Because Here's the other thing that we're having right now in society. Is we're not having honest conversations. You know, last weekend there were two big funerals. Aretha Franklin and John McCain. I want to have a couple of things to say about this. About what's important. First of all. Have we any have we lost all integrity and honor about what a funeral is supposed to be? Have we lost any cop on in our world where we actually understand what a funeral is supposed to be? Last week all I heard were pol- people making political points at the funeral of a person. I thought the idea of a funeral was to celebrate their life. To look at all the things they had done. To celebrate their greatness. Now look, if you run a funeral, you can say whatever the hell you want. But it was unbelievable to me watching all these people make political points. I'm like, no, I, I never want to be famous. I never will be famous. I have no ambitions. But I know people who are, and I, I know people who are famous who'd go, if that ever happened at my funeral, I'd, be cr- I'd go crazy. Have we lost all honor? 
Second of all, what I found absolutely unbelievable was the pictures that came from Aretha Franklin's funeral. I'm going to say something that is not very Christian right now. You know, sometimes you say about people's funerals that, you know, you can tell the life you lead by the funeral they ha- you have. How many people turn up? Who turn up? Who did you impact? You know, who's around you? I don't know Aretha Franklin. Shocker, right? But if I was to judge her life by some people she had in the front row, I would go, wow, you were not a nice person. What type of person has four of the biggest scumbags in the front row of a funeral? Bill Clinton, Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, and the biggest scumbag of the lot of them, Louis Farrakhan. It was unbelievable. It's amazing where everyone gets outraged in 2018 about every little thing, about every little comment. And you have a former president of the United States with three seats to the right of him was Louis Farrakhan, an anti-Semite. One of the most hateful, disgusting, vile pieces of crap this world has ever created. And Bill Clinton sat there. Really? I get that you don't want to make a big deal of it, but if that's me, I'm like, I'm not sitting there. You think there's a chance I would sit anywhere, even in the same room as Louis Farrakhan? Well, there's your that's because he's on the left. You're, 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 that's who you are. Okay. You think there's a chance I sit in a room at Milo Yiannopoulos? Nope. You think there's a chance I sit in a room at Richard Spencer? Nope. But yet we play this big game where we're outraged about everything. But if you're on the right side or, you know, you play the game, we're okay with it. Which leads me to my biggest point. You know, listening to the eulogies of people, there's this great mirage about how, you know, politics was civil before Donald Trump. And how we all miss John McCain because, you know, John McCain was just so awesome when it came to politics. How he dealt with things. You know, that's why we are dealing in the world. This is one of the reasons Trump got elected and the crap we deal with. Because the lies that have been spread, there is no truth. You, I'm not a Donald Trump fan. My opinion on Donald Trump is irrelevant. But you take all the things he has said and then you look at what happened at the Brett Kavanaugh nomination and you think that was Donald Trump's fault? This idea that politics was somehow this, you know, grand where we all just sat around and discussed ideas and had cups of tea before Donald Trump. But then Donald Trump got elected and then the world changed. It makes me sick looking at people who despised John McCain in 2008, who said he was an old grumpy warmonger. He'd blow us all to pieces. 
He was a racist. He was a hater. And then he dies in 2018 and he's a great person and how the world needs more people like him. We need things to be solid. We need things to be consistent. But we need to make things about principles once again. That is what this show will always be about. I may fail and I fail at times. But the hill I'm willing to die on is not going to be about people. It's not going to be about parties. It's not going to be about small outrages of the day like Colin Kaepernick or Nike or Bob Woodward's new hockey book. About how Trump, you know, he's senile, he's old. How, you know, all his administration came together to try and get him off Twitter. There's nothing in that book, apparently, that I've seen, unless there's something that hasn't been uncovered yet, that's any way surprising. But it will sell millions upon millions of books, because everyone wants to talk about Trump. If we keep talking about people, we will lose. We need to start talking about ideas. We need to start talking about principles. Because if we don't, everything is going to be liquid. And there's going to be nothing solid. The reason principles are so important is because they are solid. They are tried. They are tested. They are true. And they never change. I'm not willing to die on the hill of Donald Trump. I'm not willing to die on the hill of Brett Kavanaugh. I'm not willing to die on the hill of the GOP or any phony outrage. I will die on the hill of principles. And I will do everything in my power to promote those principles. Those principles that made you exceptional once and that are a roadmap for continued prosperity and for making you exceptional and freer than you have ever been free in the past free from everything free from the republican party free from the democratic party free from control where you have the power to control your destiny where you have the power to control what happens in your life where you have the power the 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 control to pursue your happiness And where we live in a society where when you're pursuing your happiness, you're not dragged down. But where we actually look at people and go, oh, wow, they're doing their dream. I can do it too and go do it. Where we're inspired by other people. Where we're inspired by people having conversations about, hey, let's go to Mars. Okay, if that's for you, go for it. But hey, he wants to go to Mars. I want to go drill asteroids for gold and mine and ore and lithium. Or I want to go create an electric car. Or I want to go tr- create the new internet. Or I want to go create the next cryptocurrency. Or I want to go cure cancer. Whatever your passion may be, whatever your happiness may be, that you are encouraged to pursue us. And that we encourage people. That When people say you can't do something, that we stand with them and say, yes, you can. That is the idea of America. And it is an idea that is going to make a comeback. Mark my words. If we start spreading that message once again. Don't go anywhere, America. I'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. 
Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc. They're not hysterical. No, they're not. They're just passionate. Yes. They're owning their power. <laughs> so that's how you own your power? Yeah, apparently you could tell if someone's owning their power because it sounds like, ah, Kavanaugh, draw You remember the woman who owned her power during the inauguration. Oh, the famous, yes. No. Trigglypuff. The Morning Blaze, weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I hope today's show has given you, as always, something to think about, something to ponder on. I want to finish today's show with a a story that really bothered me. And it's a story that, you know, hits close to home. Because I live this life in, in a certain way. And I can tell you what's happening is going to end in bad things. There's a story that broke on the blaze on Thursday this week where... A 14-year-old student who has mental and physical disabilities, he's paralyzed in his left arm, he was suspended for school for five days. What was his crime? What did he do wrong? What was, you know, what bad, egregious thing did he do that he got suspended for five days? Well, he used to get bullied by his classmates and they beat him up and they bullied him and he fought back. Cameron Kenny, who said he suffered a concussion after the attack Friday afternoon, and it's in California. Shocker, right? Uh, The Elk Grove Unified School District showed her a video of the incident. The mother has gone on record and said that, and I quote, We've been told because he defended himself, it's mutual combat. Whatever the hell that's supposed to mean, she said. Um, Basically, she went to the school board, she heard her... Uh, grievances and they came out with this and what they're basically saying is that you know was he supposed to never defend himself no he um, what he was actually supposed to do was go find some help that's what they want people to do there was a follow-up story with a doctor Andrew Mendoza um, and he's a psychologist who actually works with children um, that they do have a right to defend themselves, but in the, it's in the sense of escaping the situation. I'm quoting now. If someone has their hands around their neck, they have a right to break free of those kind of holes. Oh, well, gee, that's nice of you, doctor. Um, but again, breaking free and then engaging in the situation, unfortunately, that is going to be seen as being an aggressor. So here's something I can actually share personal with you. This doesn't work. In fact, this will lead to a very, very bad place for people. I've shared parts of this story over the years. I'm not really good at talking about myself or you know, it's you know, in my in my head I'm a book of ironies. I'll you know, you put me in front of people and say, Hey, talk about America, I'll talk your your ear off. You know. No problem. You know, my only question is, how long have I got? You know, you want me to talk to you for 10 minutes, half an hour, an hour, two hours, three hours? I'm good. I'll talk. If you say 20 hours, no problem. I'll talk to you for 20 hours. I'll talk to you about all the different stories and different aspects and just give me time to prep for it. I'll be good. Talk for as long as you want. 
If you say go talk about yourself, uh, uh, I really struggle. I really struggle. But growing up as a kid, I was unmercifully bullied. And it leaves an impact on your life forever. Whether you like it or not, it's something that never leaves you. Now, when I say it never leaves you, that doesn't mean it has to define who you are. But when I was growing up as a kid, I went through a repetitive phase that made me question everything and basically not trust anyone in power in many ways. And the phase always went like this. Either during lunchtime or leaving school or going to school. Kids would pick me. A group of kids. They'd beat the ever-living crap out of me. I'd go home. One of my parents would find me and see me and go, what happened? And I'd tell them. And then I had memory memories of my father bringing me to school the next day, going, this is what happened. And then they'd go, well, who did it to you? And I would point out, student, they did it. And then the student would come, and they'd say, the teacher would question him, or the principal would question him, did you, Jonathan, saying you did X, Y, and Z, and Eventually, they would admit to it, and they'd cry, and they'd go through their period, and then they'd be sent back, and then the next day, I'd get an even bigger beating, and then their, my father would find me, or my mother would find me, and we'd go into the school, and it would get escalated, and it would happen again, and it would keep repeating, and as I told more and more, the beatings got worse, and then their parents would be brought in. And they'd cry and say they're sorry and just never, ever, ever stopped. If you think teaching a kid who's getting beaten up and bullied that you just walk away, the beatings are just going to get worse. Beatings are just going to get worse. The bullying is just going to get worse. Sometimes you have to stand up and stand up for yourself. Now, am I condoning violence? No. But you have to find a way to stand up for yourself. We need to teach our kids and empower our kids that bullying is wrong. Bullying is wrong. And if you do it, you're not a good person. You either have a really evil person, or you're hurting yourself, which is a large chunk of people, because you've been bullied in the past, and you have a, a deficiency within you. Where you need to that need to bully someone else to make yourself feel better. But we this idea 
of just expecting people to walk away. What do you think the person who's beating the crap out of you is doing while you're walking away? Oh, you're walking away. I better stop. You have a right to self-defense. You have a right to defend yourself. And especially with boys. I can't talk about girls because I don't know. But with boys, sometimes because there's so much testosterone around. You know who bullies pick on? Bullies pick on the weakest people. Why do they pick on the weakest people? Because they know there's no chance of them going to be fighting back. This is just going to empower them to bully even more. Sometimes what a bully needs, especially I can only talk as a boy, if the bully is a boy, sometimes you just need to need and punch him up in the nose. Yeah, and I'm not condoling violence, but sometimes that's what they need because they go, okay, that kid isn't weak. We're not we're gonna go target someone else. But you know what else is needed in society? For society to stand up, for people to stand up and go, hey, knock it off. That's wrong. I don't know if you saw it. There was a a video on in the Daily Mail this week. London is going through a major, major crime spree. And it's now starting to, to expand into other places. There was a video this week from the Daily Mail of, in Manchester, this kid in a hoodie, can't be more than 15 or 16 or that's what he looked like when the the still shot. He could be older, I'm not sure. Where he literally, in the broad daylight, is punching the head off of someone else to take his bike. And there's a guy in a suit just standing there. And because it's 2018, and it's the world we live in, there's another person standing there saying stop, I think, but recording the whole thing. But as the person who owns the bike is getting the head punched off him, no one is really, they're, they're there, but they're not saying, hey, knock it off. We need to have honest conversations. And this is not a left-right thing, or it shouldn't be a left-right thing. If you've been bullied, you should have a right to stand your ground. You should have a right to go, hey, knock it off. And we should be encouraging people to stand up to bullies. Because bullies will only prey on those who they think are weak. And while everyone will look at this and go, well, hey, how do we solve this? We need new rules. We need new regulations. Or we need new psychiatrists. Or, you know, we need some grandiose plan. The answer, the solution is the answer to every problem we face in society. Empower the individual. Not to be weak. Not to be a victim, but empowered to stand what they believe is right. And to stand up and be independent and protect themselves. And encourage others to stand with the weakest and the most vulnerable. And stand with them and say, knock it off. That's wrong. If we ever get to that point in society, which I believe we are going to get to very quickly again... That's when we start turning the page. That's where you start seeing society change. But this story is very close and personal to me because as someone who went through it, what has been suggested as solutions is stupid. 
It is stupid, it is ridiculous, and it will make the situation a lot, lot worse. I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope today's show has given you something to think about. Please consider sharing with your family and your friends who are growing each and every week. Don't forget to check out the store, freedomsdisciple.com slash store. Great hoodies, great t-shirts, even a coffee mug with a simple message. America making the impossible possible since 1776. All for the Mercury One and the Nazarene Fund. We, as always, we finish by saluting the real heroes in society. Not Colin Kaepernick, not Nike, not football players, not baseball players. But your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel and your vets. The men and women of all races, of all backgrounds, who risk it all 24-7. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. America is great because Americans are good. America is great because Americans are good. Never, ever forget that. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, I hope you have a blessed and peaceful week. God bless you and God bless America. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network.